Hello and welcome to this special Future Treasurer podcast episode brought to you by the Treasury Today Group. I'm Sophie Jackson, Publisher and Head of Strategic Content at Treasury Today. And I'm Meg Coates, Co-Publisher and Head of Operations at Treasury Today. In this episode, we look at the Chicago installation of our Future Treasurer event series held by Treasury Today with State Street Global Advisors. Over the course of an interactive afternoon featuring breakout sessions and polling of the audience, our attendees heard from senior regional leaders in the industry, with a fantastic panel lineup including Susan Gorn, MD, Prime Services Clearing Collateral Management at Societe Generale, and David Duranek, Director of Treasury, Enterprise Treasury Operations at Blue Cross and Blue Shield. The afternoon was the Chicago chapter of our future treasurer events, building on our phenomenal partnership with State Street Global Advisors, which began with our work together on our Women in Treasury initiative. We went across the world creating a community born out of the Women in Treasury platform and focused initially on questions of gender equality and female representation. Following on from this, we've expanded to look at all elements of best practice within the future of Treasury. These include a conversation around inclusion and diversity. We also look at the elements of ESG, the skill sets that will be necessary in the future of Treasury, and the qualities of leadership that future Treasurers should possess. It was a fantastic chance to bring together our community in the Chicago area, with attendees coming together to hear from their peers and to share their recent experiences with our group. 12 months on from our inaugural partnership in Chicago, and with a supportive and energetic community that has rallied behind the work we've all done together, our virtual roundtable was a fantastic collective moment. We're grateful to previous Adam Smith Award winner David Duranek and to Susan Gorn for joining the conversation. How I've seen Treasury evolve The greatest opportunity, I think, for any Treasury to first evolve or or somebody working in Treasury is moving from a reactive to a proactive force in in the organization and comes from an understanding of what Treasury really does, and that's drive value in the organization. If Treasury doesn't understand its value, then it's not going to be part of an elevated discussion within the corporation of any type. So gaining that understanding of Treasury's value and then acting on it requires taking essential steps. The first that I find uh, to be an essential step in in kind of the evolution of of how a treasury evolves or transforms over time is first being strategic requires time. And to gain time, treasury operations must become as efficient and productive as possible. This is a challenge because treasury operations manages a huge load of transactional and reporting activities that need to be maintained um, for for a liquidity basis. So Treasury is often reactive and responsive to financial realities that are beyond its control in so many ways. So to become more efficient, Treasury must adopt tools like Treasury workstations and policies that automate as many Treasury operations as possible. And then the second step as I see it, which really goes hand in hand with the first, has been to develop better financial controls, including procedures, regulatory compliance, audit trails, and proper security measures. Myself and another director actually recently spent an entire year updating our procedures and controls as part of a multi-year project. 
It included internal policies and procedures such as how many people touch a payment before it goes out the door and how many people have signing authority over a bank account. So whether Treasury operates in one country and, or one office or as part of a multinational organization with hundreds of people involved in transactional activities, some of whom may never, not even be a part of Treasury, it must all be part of a fluid process to ensure that everything is known, controlled and understood, either to a regulatory level or to just to meet internal policies. And that, uh, I, you know, obviously Blue Cross Blue Shields and insurance company, we're as heavily regulated as a bank, so it's very important. Absolutely, Sophie. So agree, a mentor is, is definitely a key person. Mentors have always been important for my development for many reasons. They've assisted to expand my professional networks, provide advice on important decisions, or sometimes just act as a good sounding board, or we call a venting board. Um, mentors have assisted me with job change decisions, working with difficult bosses or colleagues, and really to teach me to reach up. Because if you don't ask, you'll never know. And that's definitely, you know, the studies show that women have a little bit more difficult time reaching out, reaching out than men do. So to have that encouragement is, is very, very key. Really important for me is mentors are super important, but what was even more important for me is something called a sponsor. So sponsors have been key for my professional development. So the sponsor is an executive or senior manager within your organization who pr promotes you. I would almost call them your campaign manager. They advocate on your behalf for promotions or new job opportunities within your organization that you may not even know about. So in addition to mentors and sponsors, I would say a 360 assessment is also key for development. I'm sure all of you are very familiar with them. Um, so you get feedback from many people within the organization. It could be your boss, colleagues, or people who report to you. Um, I would say the first ones are quite painful. Um, and the real challenge to accept the negative feedback and work hard on improving it. Because in most cases, these are behaviors that you are usually not comfortable with. So I would say in summary, really from a career development standpoint, for me, mentors as well as sponsors and the 360 assessments have all really been key in my professional development. I would say the biggest impact I've seen out of my 30 years really hasn't been since the last five years, believe it or not. Um, it was really great for us. We were an independent brokerage firm and Society General brought us into their corporate governance about five years ago, um, which was a huge benefit because obviously for budgetary purposes, they have, you know, more resources to provide various type of, of programs. So in terms of, I would say the conversations and acknowledgements on the lack of female representation in banking, especially in the higher paying jobs in senior management and executive positions has been very much acknowledged within Society General. So this led to the various diversity inclusion and initiatives in our organization. But I think just to pause because we say, what does that even mean, right? It's just a couple words. So to define diversity, diversity refers to traits and characteristics that make people unique, while inclusion 
refers to the behaviors and social norms that ensure people feel welcome. So it's really a two-step process. So I think the first part, more or less, is pretty well done. But the second part, I think, is what we're struggling with. So important actions that have been made on, on SecGen to address this, especially for women, is, of course, there needs to be a long-term commitment from top management. It truly starts at the top. And then training. Training is very, very important. And one particular training that we found very useful, the aha moment within SecGen, is on unconscious bias and building awareness. Because we don't even know that it's underneath. Um, it's not obvious. You say, oh, I don't discriminate. And uh, actually, you may, and you're not even aware of that. So it's important that this training goes to everyone, all management, all employees. And again, it's quite of an enlightening process. Also, what's really important, as I mentioned previously, is the promotion of employee resource groups. So why are they so important? Because they bring people together who are in the same diversity. And of course, they're going to be comfortable with each other, which is great. It's a first step and it, it, it creates a unity. However, the next step is to encourage allies to attend these ERG meetings. So that's almost a crossover of ERGs, because I think at the end of the day, all these individual ERGs are just a stepping stone to one day, hopefully we don't need them, from my perspective. So why is this so important? So research shows that diverse groups and teams are more successful. And really, from a banking perspective, there could be potential commercial impacts for lack of diversity and inclusion. Other firms, investors care. Um, there's a potential to lose business and customers as well as employees if you don't embrace these concepts. It's truly on all of us to ensure that people feel welcome and equal. Uh, and again, much progress has been made. I'm very proud of all of the accomplishments within Society Generale, but I can tell you we still have a long way to go. We do required training in diversity and inclusion at the leadership and at the staff and team levels as well. And I think that's why HCSC Healthcare Service Corporation has been exceptional in this area. But, you know, even though you, you may be excelling, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done so that people don't fall back on, on any sort of laurels, but continue to basically um, lay new ground in terms of um, diversity and inclusion. As a corporation, uh, Forbes is awarded HCSC as one of the best um, employers in diversity and women. Um, we are also awarded one of the best places to work for women and diverse managers um, in the categories of uh, board recruitment, representation, and workplace inclusion. And there's a number of awards, but then also the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce um, awarded HCSC last year, the best of the best corporations for the inclusion designation. So we at HCSC take diversity and inclusion quite seriously, as you can tell. In fact, each year we develop in Treasury a departmental diversity and inclusion goal that represents 10% of our performance goals for the year. So in the past two years, we concentrated on an objective to enhance and leverage the diversity within the treasury organization. So we decided to explore the barriers such as unconscious bias that must be overcome to create more in an inclusive work environment. 
Um, you know, as Susan said, unconscious bias runs deep because it's based in human nature. It's, it's really, for lack of a better phrase, it's related to the survival instinct and often rooted in the need to make snap decisions about the business, our staff and teams, and also individual people. Everyone instinctively categorizes people based on how they look, their gender, their education level, their accent, maybe even their social status and so on, and assigns them assumed traits, um, this, which is very unfair. The advantage is you can efficiently process information about people, but the disadvantage is you can often make the wrong assumptions and then you have to take an incorrect action. Then you might, you actually might make an incorrect action based on these wrong assumptions. So to avoid this, we realized we needed to become a more aware of, of that you're being influenced by bias. Because when you're cons consciously evaluating your assumptions, you could better avoid acting on assumptions that don't necessarily hold, hold up. So we introspectively explored and discussed as an entire treasury function, how different biases impact others within our team. And we talk about that, the organization and how we can improve our relationships by becoming more aware and conscious of such biases. So um, we held, I believe uh, we did it every other month uh, as a team meeting, we had lunches together and we facilitated conversations on things like understanding conscious bias, bridging the diversity gap um, between individuals, uh, talking about people's roles in the workplace and how that they can make better um, diversity and inclusion and then also overcoming unconscious bias in the workplace as well. So they were themed. Um, I had a lot of, actually I led these conversations, but I got a lot of help from our senior managers to help fa facilitate these conversations because sometimes people feel awkward about talking about such things. But you know, after the second and third meeting, pe people really started to open up. And I really think it, it made us a better team and a better place to work. A big thank you to all our attendees. Thank you to our panellists, David and Susan, and to our partner, State Street Global Advisors, as well as everyone in our Chicago community who joined us on the day. Thank you to you all for listening. To hear more of our podcast episodes and to discover all our other audio content, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from.